Minus 15. Respect all, fear none. Into the upper deck. Intensity is not a perfume. Hello, Utah Street! Five, four, three, two, one. The baseball season is officially over for the 2021 year, and we are now entering the new offseason. Welcome into the Mass and All Access podcast, everybody. Bobby Blanco, Amy Jennings with you, coming to you live from the Mass and Web Studio. Hopefully you're tuning in or joining us, I guess, on the Mass and Nationals Facebook page or YouTube channel. You can also check us out on the Mass and All Access Facebook page as Amy scoots a little bit closer. Yeah, I kind of feel far every day, Bobby. <laughs> uh, if you're not watching us live, you're hopefully checking us out after the fact on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and or SoundCloud, wherever you find podcasts, you can find the Mass and All Access podcast. Pack show for you today as the offseason is officially underway, getting ready for the 2022 baseball season. But Amy, good to see you. How are you? How was your weekend? What's the what's been new over the past week uh, since I saw you? Let's see. Well, we had homecoming this weekend. At homecoming in College Park. got yep. a win. Got a w. Finally, exciting to see. So that's good to see. I can't really hardly believe it's already November and that baseball is officially over, even though it's been weeks since the Nationals played. Right. That's kind of hard to believe. Um, and today, before I forget, is my pap's birthday. Hey! So I need to wish him a happy birthday. He, happy birthday, pap. Nana pap, watch this podcast. Pap is a baseball legend. Talk about a guy who has, like, the best baseball stories. So wow. just be like, oh, yeah, I think that's when I was in the dugout with Jackie Robinson. Pap, what? Like, just casually. So happy let's, birthday to him. <laughs> let's get pap and Dusty Baker in the same room for an hour there and see how go. that goes. That, that'll be fun. <laughs> um, on that topic, let's give a happy birthday shout out to our producer, Brendan Mortensen. His birthday is tomorrow. So happy birthday, Brendan. Thanks so much for all you do for the show. Um, yeah, we are. Well, actually, first of all, it's getting a little chilly. And I keep mentioning this every year because it's more so of a reminder from to myself because I, you know, we're, we, we're being told to wear like mass and branded or, or nationals branded team gear on the, mm-hmm. on, while we're on camera and I have nothing long sleeve and it's, today was the first day that it was cold. It was yeah. freezing this morning. And so, uh, I got to figure out, a, I got to go, I got to get on the team store, get a long sleeve, like quarter zip or something, because I'm not going to make it through this off season yeah, and, I, and polos alone. I th- yeah. Actually, surprisingly right now, it's kind of warm in here. And I feel yeah, like, well, usually, cause these lights have been on for the past like three hours. That's it. Usually it is freezing in here, yeah. especially in the summertime. Um, but yeah, I need to go with you. Maybe we'll, we'll make a trip yeah. together to make sure we don't get matching quarter zips right. um, uh, and get ourselves some winter team gear. Well, when we moved back in here, what was that last week, two weeks ago? Last uh, week. Whenever it was, these windows were cracked and it was freezing in here. And that was back when it was still like 70 ish, 60 degrees. Now that we're dropping into the 50s, if that happens again, it's going to be very cold in here and I'm not going to be able to withstand it. So we're babies here. Hopefully, I, uh, uh, um, I got to keep reminding myself to update my wardrobe, my on camera wardrobe for the off season and heading into next year. Um, all right. Well, we got a lot to get to. Um, a big chunk of our podcast uh, today is going to be talking about a little bit of a free agency preview, um, looking at positions of need the Nationals need to fill, looking at players that they could target, any possible surprises they can make this off season. But first, we actually have some uh, house cleaning up issues to, uh, to take care of because the Nationals this morning just announced their 2022 coaching staff. Uh, we saw over the weekend or actually – a couple of days ago, that the uh, the reported that uh, Gary DeSarcina, uh, De <laughs> I'm going to mess this up all season long. DeSarcina is the new third base coach, 30, 53 years old, 
had been the third base coach for the New York Mets the past three seasons, a long career coaching in the major league, a long uh, major league career playing, um, and uh, 12 seasons as an infielder for the Angels between 1989 and 2000. So uh, a very solid get. I think a lot of people were happy with this get. Uh, it seemed like it's a it's a good match for the Nationals. Uh, he'll help with the infield coordination as well um, and, and um, taking over Bob Henley's place at third base. Yeah, I think that the infield coordination is kind of key because when we've been talking about all these hirings, we're kind of talking about their connection with these young players. And mm. obviously the Nationals have a very young infield. And so 12 seasons as an infielder with the Angels, over a thousand starts at shortstop, I think will only help those young guys in a good get. We were kind of, we thought this might be a slow start to the off season. And of course, as far as free agency, it, it might be from here on out. Um, but as far as hiring the coaches and completing um, Davies coaching staff, we've been kind of lucky with a lot of a lot of hirings here um, and then of course they also hired that first base coach Eric Young Jr. who will be the youngest mm-hmm. in in dugout coach yeah uh, in on this coaching staff. DeSarcina uh, has been a major league coach since 2014 he was a third base coach for the Angels for two seasons then moved over to first base for one season he was the Red Sox bench coach for tw- in 2017 then uh, went to New York was the bench coach for the Mets in 2018 and then has been the third base coach for the last three seasons the rest of the staff we pretty much know already there is kind of one major change it's going down real quick of course Tim Bogart returned as bench coach Darnell Coles we talked about it at length hitting coach Pat Rossiello is staying as the assistant hitting coach which is a big get because people thought that he was going to follow Kevin Long to Philadelphia he stays put Jim Hickey returns as the pitching coach Eric Young Jr., like you said, first base coach. DeSarcina, third base coach. Henry Blanco now is in a new role, going from bullpen coach to catching and strategy coach. And then they bring on Ricky Bones as the new bullpen coach. I like that name, Ricky Bones. <laughs> that was good. Um, and so th- this is interesting because, you know, we talked about this as a possibility of, you know, Mike Rizzo mentioned in his end-of-season press conference that they're going to kind of reevaluate the entire organization. That included the coaching staff. When asked about who's coming back, who who might be leaving, um, that he kind of referenced that there could be up some role changes, new roles, and this was a major one. Remember, Henry Blanco, as the bullpen coach, you know, was usually in the bullpen almost every single game. Later on in the season, I want to say the last couple of weeks, if not the last month, spent the time in the dugout with David Martinez and – um, you know, people kind of saw that as a sign of possibly his role changing. We know that he had been working a lot with the catchers, a long time major league catcher him in his own right. Uh, so he moves away from managing the bullpen and a bullpen coach isn't like he coaches the relievers uh, that still falls under Jim Hickey. He more so kind of organizes the bullpen, mm-hmm. gets guys ready to go when Davey Martinez calls or Jim Hickey calls down uh, to get someone warmed up and ready. And when they're going to bring in a new reliever, he now moves probably to the bullpen or excuse me, the dugout full time and is going to be working a lot with the catcher. And my guess strategy coach, that's going to go a lot in terms of working with Jim Hickey and the catchers and pitchers in terms of how they're going to strategize attacking hitters, which I think it will be really good. I mean, not only is he taking on more responsibility, but he at least he has some familiarity with these young catchers and so taking on more of a role and having that collaboration between Jim Hickey between these relievers in the bullpen and of course these young catchers I think is really good and I, I like that you know add to this coaching stuff I also like that it's the day after the World Series ends and the Nationals are already announcing that that is 
the coaching staff is done. Mm-hmm. You know, we talked about like how I think it was last week we talked about the checklist of things to do. We mentioned, you know, they still need first and second base coaches. They needed, uh, you know, if they're going to make any other changes, they need to make those. It's done. You know, it's November 3rd and they, they're they're set to go for next year in terms of coaches. Now they can attend, uh, turn their attention to players and the roster. Um, and that makes this process of starting the offseason a little easier. And what I think I was most surprised about this is that they did keep this assistant hitting coach because I did kind of expect him to follow um, Kevin Long, of course. And I thought maybe Darnell Coles would get his guy in there mm-hmm. uh, as you would expect so that kind of surprised me but I think you know can that can keeping at least one of those same guys with these hitters with these young hitters will help yeah Pat Rossler stays does not follow Kevin Long uh, and that could you know that could be a it could be kind of a twofold thing you know we, we talked about how Kevin Long going to the Phillies kind of the same when he left the Mets to come to DC you know it's addition by subtraction for the mm-hmm. Nationals. You know, you take away a hitting coach from your division rival and add it to your staff. That's what the Phillies just did to the Nationals. But you don't let the full group go. You know, don't both of them go. Maybe the Nationals offered him whatever deal to stay on. And, and also, that also helps probably Darnell Coles in terms of, you know, Pat has worked with these hitters before and exactly. for a while. So that's one less... Uh, gap to bridge where Darnell has to spend a lot of time during spring training or this offseason getting to know these hitters uh, without even seeing them, whereas Pat knows them already. They can kind of work together, have some meetings, get to know each other already, and then that way you're kind of hitting the ground running. It's going to be a little bit of a setback, of course, with fresh faces, and, and you know we'll talk about who else could uh, be entering this lineup uh, in, in free agency, but that's one less step you have to take because Pat is so, already so familiar with the hitters on this roster. Yeah, and then you have... And I mentioned Eric Young Jr., who's going to fill that first base coach role. He in, just finished his playing career in 2018. And compared to D. D. Sarcina, I have it down in our notes. D. Sarcina. <laughs> I was just going to. I take, find that the more you say it, the more you just your mouth. It's like it's going to take some muscle practice. memory. Your your jaw will remember D. Sarcina. That that's going to take some practice. But compared to him, who has coached uh, quite a few years, that Eric Young is going to be a young coach. He managed mm. in AAA for the Mariners uh, just last season, so it'll be a new role for him. But he led the NL in in stolen bases back in 2013. So I think that'll be good for this team as he coordinates. <laughs> we have a little uh, rumbling trash cans in the back of our podcast today. Um, I don't know if anyone Paul, heard that though. These mics control. are so good. I don't think people could hear it because, like, I do that when I when I. <laughs> produce the O's podcast that happens to me all the time we should just move those trash cans by the way I don't know why they're by, by our feet but that happens to me all the time and I, I listen Chicken back and I can't really right hear there. them they, these mics are so good they don't pick up any noise past you know where they can't where we have these cameras set up so I think right. you're okay Paul okay. you're fine don't Sorry. worry about well, it you're it's good. just us trying to keep it under control <laughs> up here um, but that'll be good for these young base runners trying yeah. obviously to get Victor Robles back on track with his number of stolen bases uh, so good to get this coaching staff kind of rounded yeah. out as they had national head into free agency and kind of figure out what, how, where they're going to spend their money, what the positions of need, and who they might get. Yeah. Well, for a full breakdown of David Martinez's new coaching uh, staff, head over to MassInSports.com. Mark Zuckerman has an article already up on the front page breaking down the new roles and how everyone's returning and what this coaching staff will look like for the 2022 season. So uh, that's settled. That's one thing we don't have to talk about anymore for this offseason. Check that box. Now let's get into the roster and, and possible movement we could see um, in free agency. We're not going to talk too much about 
possible trades or anything. Those are way harder to predict. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, let's start this conversation by like you know setting the baseline and admitting where this Nationals team is. They're, this is going to be year one fully of the rebuild. You know, they've, they've committed to doing this by selling off major assets at the trade deadline. They got a lot of prospects back. Of course, the last play finished. They're going to draft in the top five next year. Um, so it's not going to be like a free agency offseason that we've seen in the past where, you know, the nat- you would see the Nationals name come up a bunch in terms of big name uh, guys, big name players, especially in starting pitching. You're probably going to see, as my assumption would be, you're probably going to see the Nationals be in on a lot of tier B, tier C players to fill out holes in this roster as opposed to come in and be absolute studs in this roster. Is that kind of your same assessment as we head into free agency, Yeah, Amy? exactly, because you mentioned how hard it is to predict trades for the Nationals this offseason but I think it's almost just as hard to predict who they might get in free agency and what positions they are going after just because of the situation that the Nationals are in right now going into this rebuild Um, are they going to go after any big names probably not because they don't want to spend that money um, heading into a season where they're not going to compete so it's kind of hard Uh, you kind of have a general idea we talked about it last week and I think that they're definitely set to sign a veteran catcher Mm -hmm. I don't think they'll head into this season with just two two young guys uh, but then you have, will they get a back-end starter will they go after some relief pitching um, a left fielder a middle infielder third baseman mm-hmm. it's really hard to tell but no matter what I think it's going to be a, a lower tier guy that they don't have to spend a whole lot of money on maybe a guy that's looking to have a bounce back year well let's go around the diamond and and before we start talking about specific positions let's just kind of name the positions we think that they could add starting pitcher you know we know how much start on the, on the mound we know how much mike rizzo loves starting pitching we know how much david martinez uh, utilizes and appreciates strong starting pitching you look at the depth chart they have now they have seven guys on, on their roster that are going to enter and compete uh for a job coming into spring training and that's assuming that steven strasburg and joe ross return healthy and ready to go when pitchers and catchers report in mid-february um Let's go on that assumption. Let's go on the assumption that they are. Strasburg and Ross is healthy. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I don't see them adding anything from the get-go. And also, this also another caveat for this conversation. The CBA in December expiring. We don't know how free agency is going to shake out until that is settled. Work stoppages, whatever. So we are going under the assumption that everything just works out fine and it's going to be kind of pretty much as business as usual in terms of free agency and baseball. So that those are two assumptions that we're going under as we embark on this journey. Um, I I don't see any the Nationals signing a starting pitcher until pitchers and catchers have already reported. I think they're going to let the pitchers get there. They're going to see what they have. And then you might see Mike Rizzo sign someone to, you know, a minor league deal with an invite to spring training, you know, in late February, early March, something like that. I don't think they're going to be a big player for any of the top names you see out in terms of starting pitcher on the, on the free agent market. Right. Definitely not any of the big names on the market right now, just because they can't afford it. I mean, they're just not willing to do it. I think this is kind of a little bit more difficult to assess just because we know how much Mike Rizzo loves starting pitching and that he's willing to spend that money and we've never seen them in this situation before. Mm -hmm. Um, So will they still get a back-end guy? I think if they do, it's going to be obviously a lower-tier guy, but also, you know, somebody maybe similar to John Lester, like last year, yeah. somebody that they can get. I think he, he it was like a $5 million deal, maybe somewhere around that price range. 
But it's also hard to tell because they were planning to compete last year mm-hmm. when they signed him as a, a number five starter. So it's hard to tell. But I think maybe a guy more like Eduardo Rodriguez, Anthony DiScalfani are kind of more of the tier of back-end starters that they might go after. Yeah, top-tier guys like Max Scherzer, sorry, Nationals fans, Kevin Gosman, Carlos Rodon, Clayton Kershaw, um, Zach Greinke. I don't think those are the guys that you're going to see the Nationals target. I think you go down, and this is via a list of MLB.com, and they're listed based on their fan graphs war. I think you're looking down closer to the middle of the pack, starting around, like you said, uh, Eduardo Rodriguez, you look at your John Gray's, Alex Woods, Rich Hill, maybe. I mean, he's 42. That's going to be, a t- you know, I don't know how much uh, Mike would trust that, someone that age. Um, and, you know, also another thing I always like to mention this time of year, I mentioned this two times of year, at the end of the beginning of the offseason and the end of the offseason. Oh, the trade deadline. No, the end of the offseason when we're getting close to the end of free agency and the season starting. It takes two to tango. Just because we target someone or we think that it'll be a good fit for the Nationals doesn't necessarily mean that the Nationals think the same way or that player wants to come and play here. Because, yeah, like you mentioned, John Gray, that's a guy who I think wants to stay in Colorado, Mm -hmm. but they let him become a free agent. Uh, And then you, of course, have to worry about qualifying offers and so on and so forth. Uh, So it it does take two to tango, and you need that guy to want to come here, which a lot of your top end, especially top end starters, might not want to come to the Nationals right. right now. And then the other team. So it, it's, it, it, it takes a lot. A lot of these guys, some of these guys also have options tied, attached to their contract. So they could be picked up um, or um, so they'll stay mm-hmm. uh, or they'll hit free agency. But yeah, I mean, just again, this isn't a normal Nationals offseason where like we've seen over the past decade where they are an attraction to a lot of top tier free agents. I don't know how many of these guys who you know, are either leaving competitive teams or on the tail end of their careers and want to be on competitive teams are going to be willing to come to a rebuilding team. Um, so starting pitcher, probably not. Bullpen, relief arm, I would say only chance would be bringing in one more veteran reliever and maybe that person being a left-handed pitcher because they don't have a lot of lefties in the bullpen. Someone to go along with Will Harris because otherwise you're asking a lot of Tanner Rainey again, Kyle Finnegan again, maybe someone to take some pressure off those guys, a reliable arm that assuming Will Harris is healthy and, and will pitch next year, that Dave Martinez can count on in the back end of that bullpen. Yeah. And I, that's also something I don't feel like will happen until later, closer to spring training, maybe even after spring training already starts. I, I agree. I think it'll be a matter of assessing what they already have, seeing who's healthy, and it will come at the end of this offseason or exactly like you said, after spring training already started. I could see a lefty. Uh, that's certainly a need in this bullpen or a closer. I mean, they've kind of rounded out. You're hoping Tanner Rainey is back healthy, has a bounce back year. Kyle Finnegan, but those are more guys. You know, Will Harris as well, you're hoping mm-hmm. he's healthy, but those are guys that are they're going to eat up more of those middle innings. Um, and I think to have a closer to finish this off, a solid guy that you can count on day in and day out would help this bullpen. But I do agree with you that I think it will come later, but it's obviously a huge need. You look at the amount of blown saves, the amount of games lost because of the bullpen and in that ninth inning, in that closing role specifically. So they're moving to catcher. That's something that you brought up a little earlier. And I think this is a position you and I both agree on that we'll see being targeted. Um, Again, I don't think this might not be. It's not a top priority. I, I would say. I don't know. It's, I don't know what I'm trying to say because you know you have Kiba Ruiz. You're going to have Riley Adams. You have Tres Pereira as a backup. 
um, third option. I just we talked about this before. I just imagine Davey Martinez and now Henry Blanco are going to want a veteran presence in that room to work with these young guys and get the best out of them that they can and, and help them grow. And, you know, with maybe Henry Blanco moving into this new role mm-hmm. takes care of that and maybe they think that they don't need to. Part of me still thinks that that's going to be something they want to do, and I think it's someone they can find for cheap and and do what Alex Avila did last year. Or you know, we, they're not going to have to do what Jan Gomes and Kurt Suzuki did two or three right. years ago. They're going to be what Alex Avila did near the end of the season too. You're going to have to cover, you know, not even a third, you know, a quarter of the games of the season. You know, when Caber Ruiz and Riley Adams need a break, or God forbid, there's an injury. And then you also just need to be a voice in that locker room, uh, a veteran presence. I think this is somewhere the Nationals can add, and I think there's somewhere that they can find a good fit uh, in the latter half of the tier of of catcher of the catcher free agents. Right, because the good thing is they're in a different situation than they were last offseason as far as going out and getting a catcher. They don't have to get a big name, not only just a big name, but a guy that you're you're counting on catching a big chunk of your season. They can wait a little bit. They can give somebody a little bit lower on this list, um, somebody a little bit cheaper. And it's got, they want, they're targeting a veteran guy. Yeah. And it's not a matter of going out there every day, but it's just a matter of helping develop these young catchers. And I think throwing Henry Blanco in there is going to certainly help, but having that veteran presence makes a huge difference. So I think this is a position that they will definitely target, but just like you said, it's going to be a veteran guy, maybe an Austin Romine. Um, somebody like that. Jan Gomes is a free agent again. I don't know that they would have a reunion there, but you never know. I the, the, I brought two names I thought were interesting, and again, that thing of takes two to tango comes up because who knows where these two catchers are in their careers and what they want to do. Um, a name that I came up with, Robinson Chirinos. He's thirty-seven. He's going to be thirty-seven um, by mm-hmm. opening or on opening day. He had a, a minus zero point four fan gap. Fangraphs wore this past season in 45 games with the Cubs. Hit 227 with five doubles, a triple, five homers, 15 RBIs, nine walks, 36 strikeouts, and a 778 OPS. Here's where I think it's a good fit, though. And again, if, if Torinos wants to go to a competitive team and, and try to win again, more power to you. And this is a mute point. But he knows David Martinez and Jim Hickey from his rookie season with the Rays. He spent with the Rays, and, and, and Jim Hickey was the pitching coach there, and, and Dave Martinez was uh, Joe Madden's bench coach back in 20, two, uh, 2011. Yeah, I'm pretty sure. Uh, and he's also, another part of this is that the Nationals are going to maybe want a veteran catcher to work with these young pitchers and, and help them go along. And, and Chirinos has worked with a lot of veteran, great veteran uh, pitchers. Cole Hamels, Hugh Darvish, Justin Verlander, whom he caught his third no-hitter in his career in Houston. Uh, Garrett Cole, he's worked with Will Harris, who's in this bullpen. Lance Lynn, Rick Parcello. So uh, Robinson Trinos seems like a good fit on paper. The age probably won't cost too much, considering his production last season with the Cubs. Has familiarity with Davey and Jim Hickey, and then also has that veteran experience of catching really good starting pitchers that he can probably pass along some information to guys like Josiah Gray, uh, Josh Rogers, pitchers, young pitchers like that. Maybe if we see a Cavalli make his debut this season or something like that. Yeah, I think that's a really good point because you do have a mix, assuming Steven Strasburg is healthy, between Steven Strasburg, a really good starter there, mm-hmm. and the possibility for Kate Cavalli to debut this season, which I think we're going to see maybe mm-hmm. towards more towards the beginning of the season. Um, 
So that is really important when you're thinking about signing a veteran catcher. Manny Pena is another one that came up with. He's 34. He spent most of the season as a backup in Milwaukee. He only played in 75 games. He had under 200, only 13 homers and 33 RBIs, a 732 OPS. Um, he is kind of coming back from a knee injury he suffered in 2020. That's part of the reason that he was limited, but also that he was mainly the backup in Milwaukee. Um uh, He's a little younger. I think he'll go to a more competitive team. I think he'll or and and could also possibly stay with Milwaukee. Um, you know, if they wants to be competitive again, because he is thirty four. You know, that is old for a catcher, but you know he could still provide some a competitive team with like a solid backup. Mm-hmm. He might probably be a little costier for the Nationals if that's a word, but um, uh, it's just an idea, just because he did have a down year. He's coming off an injury. The Nationals have a history of taking chances with guys like that. Uh, it's just a small another name that I came up with that could po- be a possibility. No, I'm with you there. I think coming off the injury, kind of having more of a down offensive year mm. makes him a better fit for the Nationals. But he is really good defensively, and he could be a solid backup for a more competitive team. He's kind of on the edge, um, but he is, if you're looking at look, somebody who's looking for a bounce back year, yeah. he is a good fit for the Nationals in the situation that they're in. The other thing is that he also could be a candidate to go to another not competitive team and, and be the, the number one guy. Exactly. Um, so that's another possibility for him too. And then you mentioned Jan Gomes, but there are plenty of former Nationals out <laughs> on this catcher free agent market. Possible reunions, Jan Gomes, Wilson Ramos, Jose Lobaton, Kurt Suzuki, Sandy Leon. Um, I, I think Jan Gomes, you'll see Jan Gomes. I think he can be productive still. He'll probably go to a contender uh, more likely than not. The one I, I kind of like is, is Sandy Leon because he's on the tail end of his career. He spent the past couple seasons with the Marlins. Um, I, I think that he could be an interesting fit in a reunion with, with DC. Who knows? Um, you know, I th- maybe Mike Rizzo has seen enough from these guys <laughs> before, and we know Wilson Ramos's injury history. We know that Jose Lobaton can go long stretches without being productive. Um, Kurt Suzuki was out in LA for the season. Who knows? I don't know if it makes sense for him to come back to DC, but San Leon could be an interesting candidate uh, to return and be a, a good backup and uh, veteran presence in this, in this clubhouse. I think probably looking at that list, Kurt Suzuki is the least likely of them yeah. all. But then again, when he was with the Na- with the Nationals, they were asking him to catch a whole lot of games. In yeah. this situation, if he's filling this role, he wouldn't be catching a whole lot, and he would be that veteran presence, and he does have a lot of experience and could help these young guys. So you never know. You never know. That's the, that's the other thing. You never know. Uh, Suzuki caught 72 games this year uh, with the Angels. So if you're l- – well, here's the other question, though, in, the, in this conversation – this is the assumption that Cabo Ruiz is your opening day catcher, right? What if what if we get halfway through spring training and he's just not there yet and Davey doesn't want to put too much pressure on him being the starting catcher? Does that maybe up the ante a little bit and you have to go get a more experienced, more proven guy and, and to actually help with this team and be, you know, catch four games a week as opposed to just one or two? Right. I mean, if you go after it, a true veteran guy who's at the very tail end of his career, you are putting all of your eggs in the Cabo Ruiz right. basket, for sure, with Riley Adams as your backup. 
I do have a lot of faith in these two guys. I do too. I think if they didn't catch as many games at the end of this season as they did, we'd have a be having a completely different conversation. But coming in and pretty much getting behind the plate right away, I think helped them. And I think that kind of more solidifies what the Nationals are looking for at catcher this, this offseason. Let's move up the first baseline to first base, the number three spot. Um, Josh Bell, of course, will be the opening day first baseman, barring injury. Big question mark there. Will Ryan Zimmerman come back? Uh, that's the, that's just the biggest question mark mm-hmm. right there. I don't think we're gonna we can dive too deep in this conversation until we know Ryan Zimmerman's plan. Because if Zim comes back, that's that's settled. We don't need to address first base anymore. But if he doesn't, that opens a whole new conversation. Of finding a first backup first baseman, um, but for now, I my gut tells me that Zim comes back or tries to give it another go. What about you? I I think he's coming. All back. right. I I don't even know if it's worth. Well, you know, you say this and then you kind of I end know. up. Well, yeah. We might end up sounding a little bit crazy yeah. after that little farewell. Uh, it's hard to tell, but I think right now. If I had to go with my gut, I'm saying Ryan Zimmerman comes back. And it's a little bit different than the situation last year. I mean, they got Josh Bell and they were kind of just waiting till the end till they, you know, put out all their deals. And then they were like, okay, Zim, this is what we're going to give you. You know, it was kind of like a end of the road kind of deal. But now I think it, they're kind of relying on on him a little bit more if they don't target a, a first baseman in free agency. Right. and But I also think that there are other more pressing needs as we'll get to in a little bit on this roster that back up first basing. You have Josh Bell. You're, you're set. You know, you don't need to go stress yourself looking for a backup first baseman or, you know, look at your clock and, and point to Ryan Zimmerman being like, well, we're waiting. Um, because I think there are other needs that Michael needs to address first before talking about a backup first baseman. Um, so I, I think I say we move on. I say that it's not as pressing of a need right now. And, um, We'll address that when we get to that. Uh, we'll get to that bridge. So let's move to the. I, this is a difficult part of the conversation. Let's just move to the the infield. Inf, the rest of the infield, <laughs> because there's so many moving factors right here. You you bring back Alcides Escobar in a one year deal, which I think was a smart move. Um, that right now places your starting infield as Escobar at shortstop, Luis Garcia probably at second base, and Carter Key with my third base. Are you comfortable with that? My guess is you're going to go try to find another infielder. And you can go two ways. If Alcides Escobar is going to be your starting shortstop, then you're looking for a backup infielder. You might already have one sort of in-house in Jordy Mercer. Just bring him back. If not, then you you need to go find an actual shortstop. And if you do, does that then bump Luis Garcia out of second base or Carter Cuban off third and move Escobar around? And then do you still... Are they the backup, or do they start trip? It's just so many a lot of different moving, paths you can go here. A lot of moving parts here. If I, well, it's so hard to tell because last year, you know, like we hear every year, Carter Keboom starting at third base, right? Mm-hmm. But we know when it came time for opening day, he wasn't your starting third baseman. But there were other guys in the system that you felt confident playing there. Mm-hmm. Um, hence, Starlin Castro. Uh, the, if you don't sign Jordy Mercer back, then you don't really have that unless you go out and sign somebody in free agency. So I think out of all of these infield positions, the most likely position for them to go after is third base. Somebody to compliment Carter Keboom at third base. I think that Alcides Escobar is your starting shortstop. Okay. And I think Luis Garcia is your starting second baseman. Okay. Yeah. So I'll, I'll go a different route. 
I, I would say if you're going to go, if you're going to sign one of these positions, I'm going at shortstop. I think shortstop is the most important position on the field. You look at, and, and I'm going to go two ways here. I was like, if you're going to sign someone, sign a shortstop. And this is another part of the conversation. If you're going to sign a big name guy, go at shortstop because well, you let, you traded away Trey Turner and you, instead of re-signing him, I think if you sign a big name guy, this is where they could. I won't go on record and say, I don't think they do this at all. <laughs> I don't think they will sign anyone to a major contract. I just don't think that they, that's their, that's their plan. Uh, that's the, not what Mike Rosa wants to do. That's not what ownership wants to do. But if they were to, I would say do it at shortstop and go get one of those big names at shortstop. Uh, Carlos Correa, Trevor Story, Corey Seager, Javi Baez, because you just traded away your franchise shortstop. And also by doing so, you one, you, you get a guy you know who can do the job for a long time at the most premier mm -hmm. position on the field. And two, it's also assigned to Juan Soto being like, hey, we're not that far away. We're not totally tanking here, you know, we're trying to build around you. Here's part one of that in four in three, what is it? Three, three years, mm -hmm. you know, you're next. I'm with you that that's the most important position. And I'm with you. If you're going to go after a big name, that's the position to do it, especially this year with this free agent market with the long list of shortstops. Mm -hmm. This is the year to do it. But if they weren't going to offer Trey Turner a contract and keep him long-term, well, I, the, they're the, not going to right. Do it. Well, the process will be wrong. I, I, that's one hundred percent true. And it just—I think they'll be more realistic than that than to go after. I mean, why? Why would you do that this year? Because of the because Juan of the Soto and well, one, no, but because of the the market. I mean, because of the, the names out there. You know, if this you is your opportunity, right? You're, if you're going to sign a big guy uh, at the most premier position, this is the fact. Look at those top four names: Correa, Story, Seager, Baez. I mean, you can even. Yeah, that's pretty much it. Um, <laughs> and also, the market's going to be tough for all of right. those guys. There's a, quite a few teams that are in need of a big-name shortstop that have the money to spend that are in a competing position, whereas the Nationals really aren't. So right. Two to tango. Like, why would those four guys want to come here mm -hmm. unless – I mean, it would have to be one hell of a sales pitch from Mike Rizzo being like, yes, next year's going to suck. But we're giving you a lot of money, and then in two years we're gonna have we're gonna get this guy, and then in three years we're resigning Juan Soto. Spend the last half of your career here, where you have a good shit, and you know in a year or two you'll you can have a chance to win multiple championships. And that will be interesting. That's it, definitely a lot to ask of a player <laughs> right. who's gonna get a lot of money, but you never know. It happens. I mean, you know, guys do that and are willing to do that. I think what will be interesting, especially with these names, is how long it takes for them to go. You know, as soon right. as one goes, they keep going. But how the CBA will play into that. You know, if there's a work stoppage and free agency kind of cuts off, yeah. you know, are, are all these names still going to be on the list? That'll kind of be interesting to see how quick these big names at shortstop go. But right. I'm with you. That would be nice. I think that they'll be more realistic like that. Yeah. And I think that the position that they would need the most um, is a, is a third, third base. Man. Well, yeah. So, I mean, that's... Yeah, I agree. I again, I don't think that's I don't think that's going to happen. But on the off chance, you know, when Mike Rizzo sits down with Mr. Lerner and says, <laughs> and Mr. Lerner says, "All right, here is one blank check for one player this offseason. I'm going to one of those shortstops. That's what I'm doing." Mm -hmm. But that's probably not like likely to happen. So we go to third base. Then, who on the third base market are you looking at to possibly take over for Carter Keboom? The thing is, is we well, we've talked about Chris Bryant. I feel like what two. Two years now in a row, 
I think it's still going to be too expensive. Yeah. Um, so I, and why would he come here? And why would he come here? So I think it's going to be somebody more like an Eduardo Escobar, mm-hmm. maybe somebody that they can get um, a, a little bit cheaper and more of a veteran guy to kind of complement the young that you have in, in Carter Keboom. Yeah, I, I, I'm looking at that. When I'm looking at this list, I'm looking at Escobar and then everyone kind of below him. Mm-hmm. Um, Wilma Flores will be a good, op, good choice. He has a club option, though. Uh, Jonathan Villar is an experienced guy. I mean, he's... We've seen him locally play for Baltimore. We've seen him, of course, in the division with the Marlins um, and the Mets. I, I he's only thirty-one years old. As WAR is above zero, one point eight. That's possibility. Matt Duffy. Matt Duffy is also thirty-one, one point five WAR. I, I look at those guys. Uh, maybe Michael Franco. We, you know, you know him from the division too. So I think when I'm talking about third base, again, the top tier guys probably are going to be too expensive. Um, but I'm at least, I think, bringing in someone to give Carter Keboom competition in spring training. I, you can't, I don't think you can hand, as much as we want Carter Keboom to be the guy, Right. I don't think you can just hand him the keys. He just hasn't earned it yet. He hasn't earned it yet, and you got to make him earn it and bring in someone else because there's no one in the system that's going to compete with him for the third base job. So you have to bring in someone else to make him uh Work hard and and show that he can take over this position full time and be your third baseman. And I I honestly think no matter if it's any of those guys or anyone really on this list, you can go even further down to the Jake Lambs. Uh, the, I don't think you bring back Cabrera, but Travis Shaw, Brandon Drury, uh, Shaw, I, I yeah. Joe Panic. I I don't think Carter Keboom beats out any of those guys in a head to head battle for third base. No, which is kind of scary and yeah. really makes you rethink. Um, you know, just going with this infield as it is right now. Yeah. Do you feel com- comfortable with committing to Luis Garcia at second base? Actually, I do. Way more than I do Carter at third. And I think it's because second base is just not as an important high-profile position as third base. I, I I just, we talked about this before, you know, the numbers are very similar. They would have stretches of really good and really bad. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, and Luis Garcia wasn't without his faults in the field. But his defensive faults at second base are so less on the spotlight than when Carter messes up at third base, just because third base is a harder position and, and more important. Um, from what I've seen at the plate too, Luis Garcia seems closer than Carter Keepham. Carter Keepham has, has shown a little more power at times when he connects, but Garcia just has way more patient. Um, he drew a handful of walks. I don't think he struck out as much as Carter did. Um, you know, he didn't get on base as a lot either, but it, the process seemed better than what Carter was putting exactly. out. Exactly, and I think you could see a much clearer and quicker development in Luis Garcia, yeah. specifically at the plate, than you've gotten from Carter Keboom over the stretch of, you know, three seasons. And, and, and look back to earlier in the season, right, when the Nationals had COVID issues and injuries, Luis Garcia was brought up before Carter. So mm-hmm. that goes to show you that Davey Martinez and Mike Rizzo already trust Luis Garcia more than they trust Carter Keboom. So I wouldn't be surprised if they felt comfortable just letting him ride it out and, and be the starting second baseman. And it, and it wouldn't surprise me if they just let Carter go out there as well. Oh, yeah, me neither. Because this is the year to do it. This right. is their developmental year. If you're going to do it, you know, you're, you're just trying to get through this year. You're not tanking by it by any stretch, but you're just trying to get through this year. Let these young guys develop and fill those positions of absolute need to get through the season um, because you're not competing realistically. Right. So they might just go ahead and do it. It's just... 
I don't. <laughs> but can you go a full season of Carter exactly. Keeble hitting 200? Exactly. And I, you can't. I mean, that's just not. I'm not saying any of these guys that I just mentioned are going to hit 300, but better. it's probably, hitting, is probably better. better than Carter. Yeah. So, I mean, but also Carter, you know, I, I hope you prove me wrong. Like, I, I hope that you prove everyone wrong and come in and the you look really <laughs> good. And, you know, you can the Nationals can put you out there and, and you're the third baseman for the 2022 season. Mm-hmm. Um, because, you know, there's not many other options for him right now. He's not a trade piece anymore. Teams don't seem too interested in him. Um, and, and quite honestly, like you said, this is the year for him to do it. There's no pressure. This team isn't going to win this year. We know that. And they're not aiming, they're not really tr- I mean, they're, they're going to try to win every night, of course, but they're not trying to make the, you know, we'll, this offseason will show that this is the year to develop and, and, and be better and get better and show that, okay, I'm getting closer and closer. If not, I can already do uh, this major league gig. And at the end of last season, when they did just let Carter go out there, you did see progress. You did see progress compared to the previous two seasons and the end of the 2021 season when there was, you know, no stress at all on him, you did see some development at the plate. Right. So maybe this year that's what he needs. I mean, you know it's – hitting is the hardest thing to do in any sport. Yeah. Uh, so it's in his head, and it kind of – it might take just going out there and doing it every day for the first time truly without any, you know, stress on his back. Chad on Facebook saying, will the Nationals go after Chris Bryant? We kind of glossed over this a little earlier as we dived more into this conversation. And then Robbie also saying, why not go mm-hmm. after Chris Bryant? Two-part question there. But the first one, will they? I bet you they check in on him, but just because mm-hmm. they have before and, and they've shown interest before, but that doesn't necessarily mean they'll go after him. And then why not? I mean, there's no real reason why not. I mean, he's one of the best players in baseball. He's also so versatile. I would at least try, but it's just not likely. Yep. And I, I wouldn't spend too much time on it because he's probably going to be looking elsewhere. Right. He made $19.5 this year. That's just probably too expensive right now for the Nationals. And if they didn't do it last year, I don't think that they would do it. We, yeah, last year. I don't think yeah, that yeah, last they off would, season. I don't think that, that they would do it this offseason. Uh, but you didn't m- mention how versatile he is. He can play left field, which mm-hmm. is a position that the Nationals might find themselves needing. It's kind of unclear right now. Is it going to be – a mix of Yadiel Hernandez and Andrew Stevenson out there, or would they maybe move Lane Thomas to left field and keep Victor uh, Robles in center, of course? That's kind of a question right now, so that would give them an extra option. I do think that they'll check in on him. I just don't know if they would do it this offseason if they didn't do it last offseason when they were trying to actually compete. Chris Bryant also played a little center field for the Giants this season and in the postseason too, so that's another position under his belt. And also, I mean, I know there was a lot of – off the field politics among between him and the Cubs organization, but he basically asked out of a team that was starting to rebuild like the nationals are to go to a competitive team. Um, and he was a game away from the NLCS this year and he played really well in the postseason too. He was not the reason the giants didn't get, didn't advance. So my guess is now that he's finally a free agent for the first time, he's going to go look for that big league contract for a team that looks to compete year in and year out over the next five plus years. Right. And unfortunately the nationals are, probably two years away from that point. Mm-hmm. Like if this was a two years from now and Chris Bryant was hitting for agency, yes, absolutely. You could make him a target to be one of your free big name free agent guys as you look to be competitive again. That's just not the case. I don't think Chris Bryant's going to wait two years to be on a competitive team once again. Yep. That's, that's the reason why I probably, why I wouldn't go after him. I would try. I mean, I, I would, I would ask, but it's probably not likely. Right. 
Chad also commenting, will the Nationals sign any other free agent pitchers to go along with Straws and Corbin? We also kind of touched on that at the beginning. Uh, it's definitely possible. I think it will be a back-end guy that they pay probably around what they paid um, John Lester this past season, which was $5 million somebody that they can get for a little bit cheaper. But like Bobby mentioned, they have a whole list of arms uh, that I think are kind of candidates to go into this rotation. It's just unclear if you're going to get Joe Ross back healthy, if you're going to get Steven Strasburg back healthy, and you're counting on Patrick Corbin to have a much better year than he has. Yeah, yeah. And, and I, yeah, we kind of, we talked about the starting pitcher. There's a lot of what – you mentioned there's a lot of what is with this rotation um, or question marks and – once those are answered, you can move forward with that because you already have Strasburg and Corbin tied to long-term deals, and they're not movable right now, so you're not going to be able to trade them this offseason. Not that it would trade Strasburg after only two two years after a five-year deal. I think he, he has an opt-up coming up in two years or so. But um, You have a lot of money tied You have a lot of money to those, to those, those two guys, just two right. guys, and then not a lot of money tied into the rest of it, so that's a good thing. And you know, and like we said, there's seven guys going to be possibly competing for a job, assuming they bring back Apollo Espino uh, and Joe Ross is healthy too, so... Uh, I, I think you you got to wait and see what you have once you get there might, and then go from there. Right. They might kind of get the job done this year and then next year yeah. and the years after that, then you're having a whole different conversation because Mike Rizzo, when it is time to compete, he's going to, to get another big name starter. Yep. yep. That's his, his MO. Then back to the infield. Um, if we talked about third base, Carter Keeboom, shortstop. If you're not going to go one of those big name shortstops, a couple of names that came up with Jose Iglesias, Freddie Galvis, and Andrelton Simmons, um, guys all over 30, wars at two or below. Andrelton Simmons is actually a zero, but he had a higher defensive war than offensive war per fan, uh, per baseball reference. Strong glove, and that, that might be what the Nationals really are looking for at second base, and that's kind of what you're getting, and I'll see this Escobar, just a guy who mm -hmm. can do it. Simmons is probably a step or two above that in terms of it's, he's more, I don't want to say elite, but really strong defensively as opposed to just getting by defensively. Uh, the bat, he had a really down year offensively this year with the Twins, but um, those are kind of the mid-tier guys that you could bring in. You know, I don't know the market for Jose. Jose Iglesias played really well in the last month of the season with Boston. Um, that's the name that, I mean, maybe that gets him more attention that one season because he was terrible with the Angels, but then he was really well good with the Red Sox. It's so much so the Angels actually cut him. Um, and then Freddie Galvis, of course, the Nationals fans are familiar with him from his time in Philly. He went played 104 games between Baltimore and Philly this year. The, the Orioles traded him back to the Phillies at the deadline for a minor league pitcher. Just the middle-of-the-range guys that, uh, that could possibly come up if they're looking for more of a starting shortstop and then have Escobar be your backup. Right, and if you can get a kind of middle-of-the-order bat out of one of these guys because yeah. you have this young pitching, you might not add to this bullpen. You don't really know how that's going to go, so you're going to have to score a lot of runs. Um, if you can give Juan Soto some support, you know in the second half of the season they really hit. They did score runs, so if you can get somebody to add to that lineup, I think that will only help too, and I guess you know I'm, they're looking at that as well. Uh, let's just combine the outfield together um, because I, you you kind of alluded to this. We're pretty much set in the outfield, um, maybe opposed as, except for left field. Um, mm -hmm. Yadi Hernandez, of course, is still here. Uh, Andrew Stevenson figures to still be here. Is that just a platoon? I think center field is going to be pretty much covered between Lane Thomas and hopefully Victor Robles. You know, right field's Juan Soto's. Um, I, I don't see them making too many moves in the outfield. They actually have a surplus of outfielders right now. 
Um, and, and you look at guys down the minor leagues, Donovan Casey's doing really well in the Arizona Fall League right now. Uh, he could possibly come up and, and take a couple of games who, with guys needs rest or get hurt. So I don't see them adding too much to the outfield overall. They probably just need to figure out a replacement for the Gerardo Parra type as the, the fifth outfielder. Yeah, I agree with you there. I think... The outfield, I think, is pretty much set, yeah. as is. You mentioned Donovan Casey. That's certainly somebody that we could see up in this outfield this year. I, maybe the most realistic scenario is moving Lane Thomas to left field and Victor Robles starting in center. That actually we, might be ideal. Yeah, that might be ideal. We just don't know what Victor Robles right. is going to look like when it comes time for spring training. But I think best case scenario is that you have Lane Thomas' bat in there. He's starting in left field. You have Victor Robles. He's hitting... Miles and miles better than he <laughs> ever has. And then you have the Yadiel Hernandez, Andrew Stevenson. In to, the back. In the back. Yeah. 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 And um, I, yeah. So that, yeah, I, I think ideally that would be the dream scenario, right? Because you have Victor Robles is back, you know, back to what he did in 2019, which was more than serviceable. He, he yeah. was pretty good in 2019. And you know what the glove can do. Uh, and then you just move Lane Thomas over to left, and Lane Thomas continues to be your leadoff guy, and you can put Robus down further down the lineup and get that kind of production that he was putting up in 2019. That would be the ideal case right there. And then you have a pretty solid, productive outfield and good defensively, especially to the left-center side of the field. And then you have Eric Young, who's coaching on the bases. Victor mm -hmm. Robles is going to steal a whole lot of bases. <laughs> Lane Thomas, too. Uh, and then we have it all figured out. Oh, no, we're getting too hyped for a, a Victor Robles <laughs> comeback season. Um, let's go back to the relievers. There is, because uh, now I'm working my way around the Nationals Park, and I realize that the bullpen is behind right field, so it just made me think of the relievers <laughs> again. There are an astonishing amount of the former list. nationals on this right <laughs> on this relievers list and i guess that's the case when you know for the past decade at the trade deadline you're always looking for bullpen help i mean they mm -hmm. traded for a reliever what was it like five seasons in a row at the trade deadline um mark melanson craig stammon brad hand trevor rosenthal tyler clipper daniel hudson greg holland hunter strickland oliver perez aj cole yusimia petite uh, Sean Doolittle, <laughs> Ross Detweiler, TJ McFarlane, Kyle Bearclaw, and Brandon Kinsler are all free agents this season. Any possible you reunions? You get a national. You <laughs> You're get a national. national. You're a national. <laughs> Any possible reunions out of those names? A lot of those guys are on the tail ends of their careers. Right. Again, possibly looking forward to latch onto a competitive team or maybe just looking for one more shot to prove themselves. I don't think it's realistic just because I think if they're going to go after – a reliever, I think it's going to be a closer. And yeah. I don't think any of those really shape themselves out to be closers right now. Is there anybody that stands out to you? Not in particular. I, though, can envision a scenario where the Nationals do the opposite of what they've done for the most part of the last decade, which is get a solid closer, veteran guy, mm -hmm. and then flip him at the deadline. Like, do, because you know, teams look for bullpen help all the time near the trade deadline starting pitching bullpen and a power bat that's usually what you see go around the around the end of Which july I guess is kind of what they hope to do with hands right and so if you find someone who for whatever reason just doesn't sign early enough or won't command too much and then you hope that they have a really strong start to the season and they're your closer and he's racking up saves um, and has a low era striking out a bunch that could turn into a pretty trade chip for Mike Rizzo and come July. You at least get something back for not too much signing. 
a, a low-level contract. Right, and that's something we haven't really touched on is the possibility and going in with the idea and the hopes of flipping somebody at the deadline, which right. is big for rebuilding teams. So I think that's an interesting point. Any other names across the free agent market that jump out at you that we did not touch on? Uh, it could be a big name or not. I'm looking, trying to look through the comments section to see if anyone else has anyone, anything in particular. A lot of questions about the infield. We covered that, bullpen, starting position, starting pitcher. Uh, any other names that we didn't touch on that you had marked off? we touched on all my, my names. Bullpen arms, we didn't really get into specific names, but I had Ian Kennedy mm. um, as, a, as a possible fit. You look at that list, you know they're not going to go it really realistically to be able to afford any of the top ones, guys that have really good years this year, um, but he's somebody that might be a, a fit for them that we didn't touch on. Jane Parlay Pas Frances on YouTube. Steven Matz is a free agent, I think. He is. He's going to be a free agent. Interesting name. I, I, I would imagine Steven Matz, I believe he's right around 30, mm-hmm. um, will try to add add. add to a, a competitive team and, and, and go again. He, he was terrible in New York in 2020 in that crazy shortened season. Slightly better, better this past this season. Um, it's a name. That, that is maybe a dark horse candidate that doesn't sign early in spring training and then is just looking for a contract, mm-hmm. you know, midway through March. And Mike Rose was like, sure, here's a couple mil. Let's see what you got. Right. And that happens. It you happens. never know. It does happen. So. And also, again, with – this lockout, I don't want to sound negative, but with this potential lockout in CBA, that could be way more freaking this year than we've ever seen in the past because it might take a while for this market to get moving because we don't know what's going to look like. Mm-hmm. I think that's true. So, t- tier B, Freddie Freeman. <laughs> I think Freddie's just going to be signed with a brick. You win oh, the World is. Series, he just seems so locked into Atlanta, and, and good for them, and good for the Braves for signing your hometown guys to long-term contracts. Mm-hmm. Weird how that works, huh? Yep. Trevor Story, another name we talked about. It's not going to happen. Yeah, he's going to. I think some people in here would like to see him in the pinstripes mm-hmm. next season. I don't know. <clears throat> uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, there's a smile. Um, all right. Well, that's going to do it for this little uh, free agency preview. A lot of names to consider and a lot of names to think about. Let us know in the comments section on Facebook and YouTube who you think the Nationals should target, who you think you'll see in a Curly W hat next year, who you would like them to target, or maybe some names that we left off the board and some people we didn't talk about. We did not do as in-depth of a bracket that the uh, O's bros did. They had a whole uh, March Madness-style free agent bracket for the Orioles side. Um, But, you know, we'll obviously be covering free agency uh, throughout the course of this offseason and on MassInSports.com. Be sure to give Mark Zuckerman a follow. And follow the Mass on All Access podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and or SoundCloud. Wherever you get podcasts, you can find us. And hit subscribe. Let us know what you think about the show. And catch us live every single week on Facebook and YouTube. Mass and Nationals across the board on social media. At Amy Jennings News for Amy, I'm at Bobby underscore Blanco. Big shout out and happy birthday to Brendan Mortensen, our producer. In the background, thanks so much for tuning in. Stay happy. Stay safe safe stay warm starting to get cold out there um and we'll see you next week and uh um, i'll right back here right back in the web studio thanks so much for tuning in